Is your employee mindset getting in the way of your freelance success? That's what we're talking about today. You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. So I started seeing questions popping up in my Facebook group, The Inkwell Guild, which you're invited to join. Um, Lots of questions that had to do with um, things like resumes and work history and how not having something like a resume or not having a work history was standing in the way of being able to find clients, whether it had to do with um, just this particular writer's sense of ability to find work or um, something like that. But mostly it had to do with this mindset of I don't have the work history, so I don't qualify for the work. And I wanted to talk specifically to those of you who are in that um, uh, plane of thought. (laughs) Because when you're freelancing, you don't think in terms of work history and qualification and things like that. Those are things that are very much a part of the corporate realm. When everyone, you know, if you're going to get a job, you have to tick the right boxes and um, you have to have certain qualifications and maybe you have to have a college degree or a number of years in the industry or whatever. A lot of times as a freelancer, you don't have to have those things, but it's hard to let go of that that context of experience, that context of work history and of qualification by metrics of things like time or um, training or whatnot. Um, it can be hard to let go of that. You might not even know that you are supposed to let go of that, but I wanted you to know that it's different when you're freelancing. When you are freelancing, Um, you cannot operate in the employee mindset. And in fact, if you do operate with an employee mindset, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Um, And by trouble, I mean, uh, make yourself miserable (laughs) or um, cause yourself a lot of really unnecessary frustration and hangups. So I wanted to talk more about the differences between employee mindset and freelancer mindset so that you can begin to shift into this freelancer mindset and begin to find some traction, not only in um, your work, but also in your brain, (laughs) because ultimately it all comes down to where you are um, with your mindset. And I know I've said that word a lot, and I I am probably going to say a lot this episode. So here we go. (laughs) There are some key differences between employee mindset and freelancer mindset. Now, depending on what your job history is, Um, You may have had some experience with contractors. Maybe you've even been a contractor before. And I don't necessarily mean like the construction guys who build your porch. I'm talking about um, people who work in a contract role as opposed opposed to an, an employee role. There are some key differences between a contractor and an employee. And so if you're familiar with the those two different constructs, it may help you to start to think of yourself as a contractor. As a freelance writer, you are essentially a contract worker. You are not an employee. And so the rules are different for you. As a contractor, or maybe you're familiar with the term independent contractor, 
um, you are operating a, an independent business. You are an independent business owner. You are not a remote employee. And this is really, really important because that gets into some legal distinctions and some tax distinctions. You will possibly come across some clients who expect you to work like a remote employee Um And often these clients are not willing to, number one, pay you what they ought to be paying you. And number two, they are breaking the law (laughs) if they hire you as a contractor and then treat you as an employee. Um, So I want you, so there are some nuances here that we're going to get into. Um, But basically as a contractor, as a freelancer, you have complete autonomy. You are an independent business owner. Um, Again, you are not a remote employee. That means that your client cannot dictate to you when and where you do your work. They can dictate to you the deadlines and there are, you know, terms around the work that they can dictate. But if if they um, want you to be um, available from nine to noon, um, then that and that's when you do your work, then then we're, we're venturing into employee territory. Uh, and that's not allowed <laughs> of them. Um, you don't tell an independent contractor when they do their work. You just tell them when you expect to have it. And the same goes for you. The same goes for you. Now, another key difference between being an employee and being a contractor is that you operate with a portfolio of work and not with a resume. Now, there are some um, Uh, clients who are going to ask for resume, you see this a lot on the job boards right now. And it makes me really sad because it means that they really don't understand the distinction either. And, and because they are corporate, the only language they know how to speak is the resume language. Um, But it's not the language that we speak as freelancers. So certainly put together a freelance writing resume if you'd like. I um, have never done that. Well, that's not true. I did one like six years ago, but I never used it. So I am not a great resource for freelance writing resumes at the moment, but it is something that I want to look into because I get a lot of questions about it. So later on this year, in the future, I will have resources for how to do a freelance writing resume. Um, But ultimately, my main strategy is if they want a resume, don't apply for that job because it means that they don't understand how to work with freelancers. Um, Now, it's again, it's up to you. This is your business and you conduct it however you'd like, but I would avoid... Um, when I'm looking for clients, I avoid any kind of client that um, that wants to see a resume because I don't work with a resume. I work with a portfolio. My portfolio is where I show my, it's where I demonstrate my qualifications. So it doesn't matter if I've been a freelancer for five minutes or five years. If I have the skill and the talent to do the job, then that's all they need to know. And I demonstrate my skill and my talent to do the job with a portfolio. These are my examples. These are my samples. These are if I have any results that I've been able to get clients like, you know, increased open rates, if I'm doing emails and stuff like that, then that will would be included in my portfolio. Not (laughs) a resume. Um, another key difference between being an employee and being, an, a con- being a contractor is that you have to carry your own costs of doing business. And we talked about this um, in an episode in January. I forget which one it is. I think it's the one about your rates and should you post your rates online. Um, you as a contractor are running your own independent business and therefore you are carrying 100% of the cost of doing business. 
And so that is why you charge more than you would as an employee. So as an employee, if you're happy to do this job, if you're happy to do this writing work for 15 hours, sorry, for $15 an hour, well, that's great. But as an independent contractor, you need to be doing it for 25 or 30 because you are bearing the responsibility for all of the overhead that an employer would be paying on your behalf. And so I'm talking about things like the employee percentage, sorry, the employer per paid percentage of your social security taxes and things like that. I'm talking about um, the equipment to do your job. <laughs> I'm talking about office supplies and the power bill and all that stuff. You have to carry 100% of your expenses. You relieve the client of carrying all of those expenses and the cost of healthcare and whatnot. And so therefore you charge more and they pay you more. <laughs> Um, and that's how it works. You should not be paid less because you're an independent contractor. You should be paid more for doing the same work that you did in an office or for doing the same work that you would otherwise be doing in an employee role. Now, to sum up so the key points <laughs> of, of the difference between being an employee and being a contractor. Number one, you are an independent business. You operate your own business and they are hiring you they are hiring your business, but you maintain complete authority over things like when and where you do your work. You set the deadlines, you have the contract and all of that, but you are an autonomous uh, worker. You, you have full autonomy over when and where you do your work. The work that you do or the work that you present in the prospecting phase is results-based and not history-based. So you work with a portfolio that emphasizes your skills and your results as opposed to a resume that just emphasizes how long you did stuff. Um, and, uh, and again, you charge higher rates than you would as an employee because you are carrying the cost of business on your shoulders that they are not carrying. So they don't have to pay your health insurance and your social security tax to the government. Um, they are relieved of that burden. You carry that burden, so you cost more to hire, you know, on an hourly rate, on an hourly basis. Although, again, I don't think you should be charging hourly. <laughs> That's why I want my writers to aim for $50 an hour minimum when they're writing, because if you can hit that, then you are beginning to get to a point where you can sustain yourself. Because again, once you, you know, if you're charging $15 an hour, which just makes you want to cry, First of all, you're going to pay 20 to maybe 30% of that to the government. So you get $10 an hour and then you have to um, pay all of your own health care expenses, most likely, unless maybe you are on a spouse's plan. But even then, you're probably not getting free health care, which means that um, another chunk of that comes out. And then, you know, a chunk of it goes to your power bill and a chunk of it goes to maintaining your equipment and a chunk of it goes to your internet bill. And then all of a sudden you're making $4.50 an hour. That's what your that's what your take home is. <laughs> and it's not okay. It's not okay to charge these low rates. That's why I want you to aim for 50 because by the time you've paid out all of your expenses and you give the IRS their um uh their portion and and you've covered all of your own costs that an employer otherwise would have covered, um you end up pocketing a lot less than $50 an hour. So, that's why I want you to aim higher with your rates and not settle for low rates. Now, I wanted to round off this discussion with a list of things that your clients legally, according to the law, are not allowed to demand of you. 
They cannot demand that you work in a specific location. Now, if they want to hire somebody local, that's fine. They can hire somebody local, but they cannot demand that you as a contractor come into their office and sit at their computer. (laughs) They can do that for an employee. They cannot do that for someone who owns um, an independent business and operates autonomously of them, which is you. They cannot demand that you work at specific times. Now, if you're like a VA or something and they want someone who's available during Eastern um, hours, that kind of stuff is okay, but they cannot um, demand that you work from nine to five or or whatever it is. Um, that's getting into employee territory and they can get in trouble with, um, I, I think it's the IRS <laughs> that they get in trouble with. Um, they cannot demand that you limit who else you work for. Never, ever, ever sign a non-compete. If you sign a non-compete, which tells you, like, for example, if you're writing for um, a credit card company and they want you to sign a contract that includes a line where it says you won't write for any other credit card companies, do not sign that. Fight that. And if they won't let it go, then don't work with them. Because when you sign a non-compete, what you have done is limited your um you've limited the available work to you. And there is no reason for them to do that. There's no reason for you to do this. Um, And it is illegal for them to ask it there's you cut yourself off at the knees, especially if you have a niche. And, um, you know, if your niche is credit cards, and they don't want you writing for any other credit card companies, then then they have limited themselves to being your only client. And if that's what they're going to do, then they need to hire you as an employee. Um, You are autonomous. You get to make your own business decisions, including the clients that you will and will not work for. And therefore, they have no right to ask you not to work for certain establishments. Do not sign a non-compete. And similarly, your clients cannot say, you are limited to only working for other clients for 10 hours a week or whatever. They cannot limit the number of hours that you work for other clients. Now, if they are concerned that you won't have enough time for them, and so they don't want you to take on a whole bunch of other work and then not have time for them, then what they need to do is sign a retainer agreement, which means that um, every week or every month, depending on how your agreement is structured, you reserve X number of hours for this client, um, you know, or you reserve time in your docket to do X number of blog posts or, you know, whatever it is, however much they want to reserve from you to make sure that you're available every single month, they pay you that amount. And it's the same amount every month. And it's ongoing kind of the agreement is that it's, you know, you I will I will do eight blog posts for you every single month for, um, you know, whatever it is, twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> and every single month they pay you twenty five hundred dollars and they send you their eight topics. And the way that a retainer works is if they only send you six blog post topics and um, and they don't want any more from you. Well, too bad. They still pay you the 2500 They are still reserving your time. They're still reserving your availability. Um, so that's how that works. If they are concerned that you won't be able to help them because you get too much other work, then the answer to that is a retainer. The answer to that is not... I will, um, I will limit, (laughs) I will only take 10 other hours worth of client work a week. That is not the answer. The answer is a retainer. And then the other thing that they cannot ask you to do is how you do the work. So if someone hires you for, um, uh, like blog posts, or if they hire you for emails, they cannot tell you that you must write these emails in Microsoft Word. They cannot tell you that you must, um, uh, well, they can't, they can't tell you how to do the work. Now, if they have systems that they want you to plug into, then that's okay. If they have software 
that they want you to plug into, that's okay. But if you are um, a blogger who, like if you're a writer who has a no interview policy and I don't do interviews and they come and they're like, well, we require you to do interviews. They can't require you to do interviews. They can go with a different writer. Um, That's kind of a weird example. That's not really (laughs) a real example, but, um, but they can't um, dictate your process. If they think that you should start at the beginning and write to the end and edit as you go, and really what you like to do is research first, make a bullet point outline, and then write each section as it comes, they can't require you to change the way that you work. If they are an employee, they can do that. But as, um, a, as a business that is hiring another business, they cannot tell that other business how to do the work. With the exception, of course, of things like plugging into, you know, we track our projects in Trello. Okay, so then you got to use Trello and stuff like that. Um, But that's not telling you how to do the work. That's telling you how, well, that's more about project management. Um, Okay, so I hope that this discussion was helpful. The most important thing I want to convey to you is that when you are a freelancer, you are not an employee. So you do not have to think about limited work history as a disqualification, because the thing that qualifies you is your writing skills. The things that qualify you are your abilities to do the work and your ability to demonstrate that you can do the work. And the way that you do that is through a portfolio. It's not through a resume. A resume doesn't show anything except, you know, your work history. And that's not valuable when you are a service provider. So if you have any questions about this, please let me know. And if you're sitting there like, well, great, well, how do I even do a portfolio if I don't have any of the work history? That's what Clips Camp is for. So I'll tell you about Clips Camp in just a minute. But in the meantime, I would invite you if you have more questions about this episode or this topic or shifting into the freelance mindset or anything like that, please come join us in my Facebook group. It's called the Inkwell Guild. And you can find us on Facebook or you can go to ashleygainer.com slash Facebook and it'll take you right there. All right, y'all. See you next week. A funny thing happened the other day. I realized that many of my podcast listeners don't know about Clips Camp. So now I'm going to tell you about it. Clips Camp is a three-week course for new and advanced new (laughs) freelance writers who want to get started with high-paid client work. If you are on Upwork and miserable, if you're on Fiverr and miserable, or if you haven't even done anything to get started and you don't know what the first step is, Clips Camp is for you. I'm teaching you how to put together a solid portfolio of writing samples that position you as the kind of awesome writer that awesome clients want to hire. So if you want in on that or you just want more information, go to clipscamp.com and I will see you on the inside.